Shocking attack in Campbell River. It has to stop. This can't happen to anyone else's child. It's horrific. The disturbing video and the investigation into an alleged teenage reign of terror. Dozens displaced by an apartment fire. Seeing essentially what is my entire life just gone. Why some residents believe it was an accident waiting to happen. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. We'll get to those stories in a moment, but we want to start with some breaking news. Two major BC ferry sailings have been cancelled and another two are at risk due to an engine issue now with the coastal renaissance. For more, we'll bring in our Jordan Armstrong. Jordan, the coastal celebration just returned to service, so this has got to be maddening for the corporation. Absolutely, Chris. This was supposed to be a good news day for BC Ferries, at least on the operations side. After a frustrating week, all the major vessels were finally in service in time for the weekend. But that only lasted six hours and 15 minutes because the 3.15 sailing from Tawasson to Duke Point never left the dock. The Coastal Renaissance, which is another one of these German-built Super C-Class vessels, is having engine trouble. It's actually been limping along for a few days now, running behind schedule, but at least it was still running. Now the problem has escalated to the point they've had to cancel at least one round trip between the mainland and Nanaimo, and a second round trip is in jeopardy. The 8.15 from Tawasson and the 10.45 to Duke Point or from Duke Point could also be canceled depending on how repairs go. It's a different issue than what took the coastal celebration out of service. That was a propeller seal issue that required dry docking. This is an engine problem, which one source tells me they should be able to fix on the water. So hopefully this will be a quicker fix. But just a brutal summer for the Super C-Class vessels at around 15 years old. They're actually the newest major ships in the fleet, but they're having the most problems. BC Ferries is promising an update on repairs later this evening. Chris will keep you posted. All right, look forward to that. Thanks very much, Jordan. All right, after weeks of problems just like that at BC Ferries, we're finally hearing from the chair of the corporation's board of directors. Global's Kristen Robinson talked to former NDP cabinet minister Joy McPhail about how Ferries intends to right the ship. Travelers at Tawasson hoping for smooth sailing after a choppy week for BC Ferries, including a website glitch advertising an erroneous nine sailing wait from Vancouver to Victoria. I know they had a ferry that was broken down, but, you know, so there were some delays to be expected. Satisfactory, but there's definitely room for improvement. What we've seen with BC Ferries is a complete failure in crisis communication. Renu Bakshi flying to Victoria Friday because of the state of BC Ferries. They need to address the public directly. They need to tell us what went wrong, why it went wrong, what they're doing to make it right. BC Ferries CEO Nicholas Jimenez is away this week along with Deborah Marshall, the executive director of public affairs. While time off is critical for one's health and well-being, it's peak travel season and BC Ferries is facing unprecedented challenges. Where's the leadership? Um, well, uh, I totally understand uh, people's uh, concerns about uh, problems at terminals, etc. And with our uh, technology, it isn't acceptable. Board Chair Joy McPhail says capacity has been increased on many routes in the past year, and the publicly owned company has a $5 billion investment plan 
for building ships, improving information technology, and modernizing terminals. We learned our lesson. We learned several good lessons at the last long weekend. And uh, the whole leadership team and the crews and the staff are working to um, ameliorate all of those problems. I haven't seen any executive leadership at the terminals. Frontline ferry workers are expected to show up in the summer and often bear the brunt of the public backlash. It's been a tough week. Uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of challenges. Uh, for the most part, the traveling public has been really understanding. What my members are looking for is additional support. You know, it does seem like it's a bit of a two-tier system. Executive will be at the terminals. Uh, the executive were at the terminals on uh, the Canada Long Day weekend. Um, I have nothing but admiration for our crews, our staff. McPhail urging the public to make reservations if possible as demand has exceeded pre-pandemic levels. Kristen Robinson, Global News. All right, for more on the story, we'll bring in our Keith Baldry from Victoria. Keith, the Premier even stepped into this, having a conversation with yeah. BC Ferries management today. What did you learn about that meeting? Yeah, interesting. All, pretty well all the questions for the Premier today from reporters was about BC Ferries on a number of fronts. He disclosed, he, he talked to uh, ferry management this morning, made it clear what's happening is unacceptable. I asked him, well, if nothing changes, if the ball continues to get dropped here, will there be changes in terms of personnel? His response is there's a new team in place, but if he doesn't see results, there are going to be changes ahead. Here's the Premier. Well, BC Ferries has recently changed uh, uh, senior leadership. Uh, that uh, new leadership has a mandate to do what's necessary to ensure reliable and affordable ferry service, uh, both from government and within the corporation. Uh, and I'm counting on them uh, to do that. If they're unable to provide those results, obviously, uh, we'll take any necessary steps. But this is the new team. Not sure what those necessary steps might turn out to be. No timeline given by the Premier or benchmarks of success. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting summer at BC Ferries, and I think the government now is watching that corporation more closely than it has in decades. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, and we'll continue to watch too. Keith, thanks very much. All right. Shocking video has emerged from Campbell River showing a group of youth attacking a 12-year-old boy. RCMP are investigating, and the attack has traumatized the victim and his mother, who spoke with Global News today. But first, a warning. The video is so disturbing, we're only showing portions of it. Catherine Urquhart reports. The images are repulsive. A 12-year-old boy is on the ground, defenseless, being attacked by three others. The video shows his head being stomped on and being struck with a scooter and a bicycle. To see that, to see your child helpless like that is I can't explain in the horror the hurt Betty Gillis says her son Carter's injuries include a serious concussion along with black eyes and lacerations it happened Saturday at a skate park in Campbell River the unprovoked assault carried out by kids familiar to her son it, it wasn't just them kicking him they were jumping on his head running and jumping on his head. All the kids involved are known to law enforcement, according to Campbell River RCMP, which is actively investigating. Just based on the fact that these are youths, uh, we won't be commenting in the public whether these individuals have been arrested or whether they've been charged. Um, 
Uh, however, just just based obviously on what people have seen in the media, in the social in social media, uh, it, it is a serious investigation that's being taken extremely seriously by the RCMP. Gillis says she's speaking out because she fears more kids could be hurt. Well, I found out that my son is at least the fourth child that has been seriously harmed by that group of children. Um, and my son was not hurt nearly as badly as the other children. The RCMP won't confirm if there are other victims. Gillis says she's thankful to staff at a nearby shopper's drug mart who provided first aid to Carter. She's also grateful for the outpouring of support from residents of Campbell River. Thank you to this outstanding community for everything. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Homicide investigators have identified the man killed in a shooting in Richmond at the height of yesterday's rush hour. Police say 36-year-old Ravinder Samra was shot and killed at 5.45 yesterday afternoon in the 8,000 block of Mindler Road. They believe he's the latest victim of the Lower Mainland gang conflict. They're asking anyone with dash cam footage from Mindler Road between 2 and 6 Thursday afternoon to give them a call. Police also believe a burned-out car found in the 1-2000 block of Blundell Road is linked to the killing. As the Amber Alert for two B.C. children is stretching into a second week with no recent sightings of Aurora or Joshua Bolton, tonight a profiling expert is weighing in on why he believes the children and the adults they're with have to pop up eventually. As Ramina Dea reports, he's casting doubt on the theory that the family is truly living off the grid. The children, Aurora Bolton, 8, and her brother Joshua, 10, still missing, abducted by their mother Verity, living off the grid, police believe. The Amber Alert in its 10th day, which is extremely rare. All it takes is one mistake or a bit of bad luck on their part and they'll be apprehended. Geographical profiler and Texas State University criminology professor Kim Rosmo says it's not easy living off the grid. If you've got a vehicle, you need gas, you have to follow a road. If you have a trailer, you need a vehicle to tow it. You need food. Um, I don't think these people are hunters. The retired Vancouver police detective inspector tells Global News cell phones, traffic lights, cameras, any connections to the real world are being tracked. Investigators believe the children and Verity are traveling with her boyfriend, Abraxas Glazov, and her 74-year-old father, Robert Bolton. It's also going to be important for people that are sort of already living partly off the grid to be the most attentive because um, they're in the same environment. And it will be critical for them to make sure their gasoline is secure, their own vehicles are locked up. Eventually, they're going to run out of gas and options. And the more we, the community makes it difficult for them to replenish those, the sooner they'll be apprehended. No new details released by Surrey RCMP Friday. The last update Thursday, when the Mounties notified the public about a new vehicle, plus updated information on two trailers in Verity's possession. And most crimes are solved by a member of the public because they're out there, they're seeing things. And it's going to be double that, if not 10 times that, you know, in, in the remote areas. The question would be, if somebody does see something, are they passing it on in a timely fashion to authorities? The RCMP pleading with the public to remain vigilant and to call 911 if you see the children. Romina Dea, Global News. 
A man is under arrest after allegedly assaulting two people in Victoria. Police say the two victims first approached the suspect when they saw him lighting grass on fire in front of an apartment building on Fort Street near Fernwood Road. This witness says after a short argument, the suspect hit the 67-year-old woman in the face and pushed the 66-year-old man. Both of them fell onto the concrete. The woman has potentially life-altering injuries and her husband is not doing well. He's broken. He definitely um, told me that it's not good, that she might not make it. Over and over, if I could have been there four seconds quicker to not have Mike involved right in his face, because before I got there, it was already happening. I was only four feet behind him, but he was in front of me when it all, boom, boom, it happens. It was fast. Um, it's shocking. The suspect fled the scene and was arrested a short distance away. That person is still in custody. A lot of questions and some accusations tonight about the safety of a Vancouver apartment building that went up in flames last night, putting dozens of people out on the street. As Troy Charles reports, some residents are accusing the city of not ensuring the building was safe. Flames light up the night sky as this apartment building at Prince Edward Street and East 10th is ravaged by fire. Firefighters rescuing people off a third floor balcony. Thankfully, all residents are accounted for. Come Friday morning, the structure was still being doused and the smell of charred wood lingered. Drone video showing the destruction. The roof on the east section of the complex completely collapsed. Vancouver Fire says more than 70 people have been displaced, including Philip Wyatrack. Didn't know how bad it was, but I could smell smoke right away, so I grabbed my cat and just hopped out, and that's all I took with me. Wyatrack and other residents we spoke to echoed concerns with the building's safety standards. To my knowledge, there's not a single fire extinguisher in, in the building. Definitely not one in my suite, definitely not one on my floor. People didn't have, you know, fire extinguishers, uh, sprinklers on the floors. The city has been looking at it for quite some time. The city of Vancouver says it has received complaints not related to safety and followed up with the property owner who corrected or was actively remedying the concerns. Vancouver Fire adds the Fire Prevention Division is reviewing the history of previous incidents and fire inspections that occurred at the building. We caught up with Wyatrack after a number of residents were let back inside to quickly retrieve personal belongings. The sight of their smoke and water-damaged homes, a tough reality. Seeing essentially what is my entire life, just gone. And I found in the last six years. Oh, he got it, he got it. Oh. Within the heartache, a fleeting moment of happiness. During our interview, one resident was reunited with a feline friend who was left behind overnight. Oh, fantastic. He got it, he got it. Emergency support services are helping displaced residents find shelter, and there's still no word on the cause of the blaze. Troy Charles, Global News. Two new MLAs were sworn in today at the B.C. Legislature, including the youngest member and a grandmother. Ravi Parmar and Joan Phillip were sworn in after winning the June by-elections in the Langford, Juan de Fuca and Vancouver Mount Pleasant ridings. At 28, Ravi Parmar is now the youngest sitting MLA in the Legislature. And Joan Phillip, who has 15 grandchildren, becomes the Legislature's first Indigenous grandmother. And congratulations to both. 
Watering your lawn will soon be prohibited. For the first time in eight years, Metro Vancouver is moving to stage two water restrictions. What that means and the penalty if you don't comply. Next on the News Hour. Obstruction of justice charges are actually the most serious in the classified documents case. Mounting legal trouble for former President Donald Trump and how it doesn't seem to be hurting him yet coming up. I Plus, a Victoria performer hits the big time, taking over on RuPaul's Drag Race. His humble beginnings on stage in Victoria coming up. But right now, our ongoing drought has officials stepping up their measures to protect Metro Vancouver's water supply. As Global's Aaron MacArthur reports, new restrictions mean watering your lawn will soon be against the rules. Brown and crunchy just the way the regional district wants lawns to look like. The restrictions on trying to keep the grass green are about to get more strict. Starting August 4th, no lawn watering will be allowed at all. Metro Vancouver implementing stage two restrictions. Lawn watering is the biggest discretionary uh, use of water outside the home, uh, and it is awfully, awfully wasteful, and that's why it is being restricted. This is the first time since 2015 the region has needed to enter stage two. So far in 2023, reservoir levels have tracked in the upper range of normal. But Metro Vancouver says water usage is up from the previous few years, 20% higher than last year. Water conservation experts believe the move to more restrictions should have been made sooner. The government's in a really tough bind because, um, yes, I think it's a bit late. We should probably have been doing that earlier, but nobody really likes to be put under restrictions. While Metro Vancouver is facing increased restrictions, they pale in comparison to the levels of concern in other parts of the province. Drought conditions bad enough that a majority of water basins in B.C. are currently dealing with significant deficits. The province has suspended large industrial water withdrawals in certain areas and promises more restrictive measures can be implemented. We are calling on everyone in B.C., including residential and industrial water users, to reduce their water usage. In Metro Vancouver, hand-watering of vegetable and flower gardens will continue to be allowed. Fines for failing to comply with Stage 2 restrictions can be up to $500 per infraction. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Another blow to B.C.'s forestry industry. Canfor has delayed its final decision on whether to build a new sawmill in Houston. The forestry giant closed its previous sawmill in the community east of Smithers back in April. The closure was meant to make way for a new sawmill that could compete on a global scale. A final investment decision was scheduled for this month, but Canfor now says more work is needed to determine whether there's enough available fiber for the project. The District of Houston said in a statement it's disappointed by the news but understands decisions like these are complicated. Coming up, confusion at the casino. I felt like I was being singled out. The reason a Surrey mother says she was denied entry not once but twice and the response from management. Plus, Vancouver police ramp up efforts to keep impaired drivers from getting behind the wheel no matter what you're driving. A woman from Surrey says Langley Casino employees discriminated against her when they denied her entry. As Global's Cassidy Moscone reports, 
The woman claims the casino thought she was drunk and wouldn't let her inside. Living with lupus, a speech impediment and a learning disability, Crystal Lee Budnick faces a lot of day-to-day -day challenges. She didn't think trying her luck at the casino would be one of them. It's not fair. The Surrey mother says she was denied entry at Cascades Casino in Langley last Saturday night. Her speech impediment and stumbling caused by arthritis mistaken for intoxication. It's not my fault that I can't speak or pronounce words properly and they get nervous and it's... It's actually traumatising, like, you know, like, I want to cry about it. Crystal says this isn't the first time she's been discriminated against. She's speaking out to make a change. A lot of people are scared to come out about it and I think it's time that people are well aware that, you know, this is happening to individuals like myself. Advocates say we have a long way to go in changing society's entrenched attitudes towards people living with a disability. They want accessibility training for private businesses enshrined in law. Honestly, I think it's like a basic requirement for people to have accessibility training because disability exists in our community, not because someone has a medical condition, but because they're being that there are barriers to them accessing services, community. In a statement, Cascades Casino told Global News, we are reaching out to the customer and will work with her to gather the facts of the situation and take any learnings into consideration for future customer interactions. Promises Crystal hopes the casino will keep. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. Vancouver police say they're revving up enforcement against impaired drivers as more people get together over the summer. Officers were at the Vanier boat launch today, educating motorists and boaters about the dangers of being intoxicated behind the wheel. Impaired driving remains one of the leading causes of traffic fatalities in the province. Police say they want people to enjoy themselves, but they should do so responsibly and safely. Anyone who sees a suspected drunk driver or boater should call 911 immediately. We uh, strongly encourage you, we want people to call 911 so uh, our officers can attend, investigate and potentially take that driver off the road. Almost a third of impaired driving crashes happen between June and September each year. Um, seven people are killed in impaired related crashes in the lower mainland on average. Officials are encouraging people to plan ahead and make plans to get home safely before you arrive at your event and not just while you're there. They also highlight transit, taxis and ride-sharing services as all good options. Just ahead, new regulations for natural supplements. Why the labels could be the last straw for some struggling businesses. And the twists and turns compounding the legal woes for former President Donald Trump. The legal embarrassments that continue to vex former U.S. President Donald Trump continue after he was hit with additional charges late Thursday in a case linked to his handling of sensitive documents. It's an ongoing waiting game in Washington, D.C., where another indictment could land at any time, along with a potential fourth indictment out of the state of Georgia. Reggie Cicchini reports. 
Well, Donald Trump's lawyers were fixated on a meeting with the special counsel on Thursday in a bid to slow or end the grand jury investigation in Washington. A surprise attack came out of Florida when a superseding indictment was filed, adding a 30-second charge of willful retention of classified documents against Donald Trump, along with charges of obstruction that also swept up a second staff member at his Mar-a-Lago club, alleging that there was a coordinated effort to delete security footage that would show boxes being moved around after the government had requested them. The obstruction of justice charges are actually the most serious in the classified documents case. They carry the greatest penalty, and under the sentencing guidelines, it would result in the longest prison sentence if Judge Cannon decides to impose custody. It's unclear if these new charges will have an impact on the trial start date, which is set for next May. Now, in Washington, the investigation into Trump's efforts to interfere with the peaceful transfer of power in 2020 could go to a vote at the grand jury at any day. Trump insists he's done nothing wrong and in a recent interview claimed this was all being done as a way to damage him as a political candidate. The abuse of power, it's a, it is prosecutorial misconduct. The reality here is these legal crises are not impacting his popularity. He still leads the Republican pack of presidential candidates and has support amongst allies in Congress who are pushing the narrative that these investigations are political and being directed by the White House, which denies any involvement. Meanwhile, in Georgia, security barricades have now been installed at an Atlanta courthouse where a grand jury could deliver indictments against Trump in a matter of weeks, leaving him to face criminal prosecution in three states as a presidential candidate. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. Health Canada is changing the way natural health products have to be labeled. Entrepreneurs in the country's supplements industry are speaking out against the regulations, saying the changes will cost tens of thousands of dollars, affect consumers, and have an impact on product availability. Paul Johnson reports. Everything you see here on the shelves would be impacted. Showing us the extensive product list available in the wellness section of a Vancouver grocery store. Entrepreneur Cheryl Grant fears some big changes are poised to disrupt her industry. When we look at the back with plain label, this product label wouldn't be able to fit on this bottle. One of Grant's top products is an iron supplement that she says has been widely used with no problems. But as she understands it, Health Canada wants to bring in new rules that could add tens of thousands in upfront fees for a manufacturer and require the kind of extensive labeling that only Big Pharma can afford. We're asking Health Canada uh, not to be putting these costs onto Canadians, onto industry. On Friday, Health Canada told Global News that in recent years it's seen enough non-compliance to warrant beefing up the rules. And it anticipates the amendments would have a positive impact on the health and safety of Canadians. One case in point would be the Udream scandal, a story Global News broke a couple of years ago where a popular sleep aid advertised as made from natural products was allegedly spiked with the prescription-only drug Zomplicone. Right now we believe that the industry um, as a whole is actually providing extremely high-quality products to Canadian consumers. Grant says since the pandemic, more people have turned to natural products with few problems. She's also a bit stumped by Ottawa's sudden concern about her sector when in a separate case they've okayed the controversial decriminalization of fentanyl, crack and meth in B.C. 
She says if the proposed rules are put into effect, it's consumers who will lose with higher prices and less choice for natural supplements. Paul Johnson, Global News. Coming up, a stage career that turned into a real drag. So I was really given up a space and a place to have an audience and to try really strange things. The Victoria performer who went worldwide impressing RuPaul and winning fans all over the globe. And later in sports, she's come a long way back. The Langley athlete returning to fine form at the Canadian Track and Field Championships and the side gig that helps her pay the bills. From the stories that affect us all to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Talked about moving to stage two water restrictions in Metro Vancouver earlier in the newscast. That drought, dry weather still continues, Yvonne. Yeah, ongoing drought and temperatures are going to be on the rise and we're not tracking much in terms of precipitation, though it's going to be pleasant over the weekend and I'll have that coming up in just a moment. Right now we're sitting at around 23 degrees. A quick glance at what it looks outside this evening. We are going to see a bit more cloud cover starting to build in overnight tonight. A glance at some of the numbers and temperatures through the day today. A few spots in towards the interior, even into the low. 30s with Lytton today getting up to 33 and coastal areas for the northern half of the province. Prince Rupert getting up to 18. Overnight and for tomorrow morning we are going to see some cloud cover. A clearing is going to start to kick in through the afternoon. Highs between 23 and 24 factor in the humidex it's going to feel like 27 degrees. Big one of the story however is a ridge of high pressure that's going to build and strengthen and we'll be watching this into early next week. It'll likely or will likely see the peak of the heat even Tuesday, Wednesday with some of the warmest temperatures away from the water will be pushing closer to 30 degrees. So as we look in towards next week, we've got that surge in heat once again and potentially in towards next weekend. Areas in towards the interior still very hot and dry with some of the hottest temperatures Wednesday, Thursday getting into the mid 30s. So plan ahead. We are going to see that surge in heat and not a significant amount of rain. It is going to remain dry across the region. Northern half inland and across the central interior. Bit of a blip. We are going to see a slight chance or the risk of a thunderstorm. Lightning will be a big concern across the region and the southern half of the province will be included within that extending in towards the southeastern corners with Cranbrook seeing a slight potential for some showers. Along the south coast we are going to see more cloud cover for the morning hours. A few spots across the island could even see an isolated shower. Breaks by the afternoon will be rebounding with that sunshine. It's pleasant for the latter half of the weekend on Sunday. Mix of sun and cloud with the high of 23. And then as we get in towards Tuesday, Wednesday, that's we'll be tracking the heat on Wednesday away from the water up to 29. All right, Chris, this is a great shot fishing on Chilco Lake. And this was captured by Margaret. That's her husband and a tour guide out there on the water. Beautiful shot. What a great shot. But with that heat, I'm going to want to jump in. That's for <laughs> sure. All right, thanks, Yvonne. Well, before she stole the show on RuPaul's Drag Race and walked away with a $200,000 cash prize, Jimbo got her start in the Victoria theater scene. It's during those Atomic Vaudeville productions where the performer realized there was an audience for the type of art she wanted to do. Travis Prasad reports. <laughs> the moment herstory is made on Drag's biggest stage. Jimbo is crowned winner of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, the first Canadian champion on the American show with a worldwide following. <laughs> I did it! Jimbo's drag career began years ago at Victoria's Atomic Vaudeville Company. 
where he signed up for Brit Small's class on clowning. I was really given up a space and a place to have an audience and to try really strange things and to have it be celebrated. It's very difficult for people sometimes to get rid of their own shame in performing and not wanting to go too far. And Jimbo just immediately ran right through that and he was incredible. Jimbo! Now the whole community is celebrating Jimbo's journey. All kinds of designers and artists and people that have lent their time and their skill and so they're they're all feeling the win as well. It's like when you're watching the Olympics and your team wins, you know what I mean? Small this hopes Jimbo's success will put Victoria on the map as an arts destination. She says the city has long been overlooked and underestimated. I hope it'll have people take a second look at what's going on here and also to have the community invest more in the artists and the work that we're doing because we're working so hard and on a very high level. Public support, Small says, is critical. As hostility toward the craft appears to be growing. From scuffles at drag queen book readings... to protesting a drag summer camp for kids in Vancouver. Who is the one causing problems doing damage? It's the people out there creating division in communities and the people out there stopping um, people from trying to help children learn. <laughs> a local performer's win on the world stage, making it clear the show will always go on, no matter who tries dragging them down. Travis Prasad, Global News. No doubt. Okay, the show goes on in sports, too, and some elite talent out in Langley. Yeah, if you want to go watch the uh, best in Canadian track and field, McLeod Athletic Park this weekend, Langley's uh, Georgia Ellenwood will be there. She's back doing the heptathlon 16 months after rupturing her Achilles. I think that fearlessness is coming back again, and I'm the joy of competing. She's definitely one of the headliners at this weekend's Canadian Track and Field Championships. As we said, it's going on in her hometown of Langley. Look forward to that. Also tonight, Coming. satellite Radio. debris. a great weekend for some sports viewing. Squire here has Lo the latest. Well, locally especially, but mm -hmm. you'll also see Whitecaps and Lions on TV. They'll be away. Anyway, while Canada's women are getting ready for a game against Australia on Monday morning that'll make or break their World Cup tournament, they announced today they have reached an interim agreement with Canada Soccer on how much prize money the players will get. It is ridiculous that the players had to get this agreement while the tournament was going on, but that's how Canada soccer rolls. It's a mess, and I'm sure it's playing on the minds of the players when they don't need this kind of distraction. Well, in order for the Vancouver Whitecaps to make the knockout round of the League's Cup, they have to beat the Galaxy in L.A. on Sunday. Now, that is the only way. Vancouver did beat Los Angeles not that long ago, 4-2 at BC Place Stadium, but that was a weird game. The Whitecaps were up 3-0, and L.A. was down the 10 men. And still, L.A. scored twice and made it 3-2 before Vancouver got the insurance. You can't be letting undermanned teams back in a game. So Ryan Gold, who will be leading the charge for Vancouver on Sunday, says, just because you think it's over doesn't mean it's over. You never get complacent. 
you know, we took the game to them, and yeah, the I think as soon as the red card happened, and then we went three up, we we thought it was done, and they've got like they've got really good players that will take advantage of it of it if you if you take your foot off the gas. So um, you know, we we know that. If we if we play like the the first 20 minutes, we'll have a really good chance, but we can't allow any of the you know any of the complacency that we had in the in the last game. Edmonton's last win at home was actually against the BC Lions, October 12, 2019. That was before they were called the Elks, and I should mention they probably won because Mike Riley got hurt in that game. Uh, since then, Edmonton has lost 20 straight at home. If they lose to BC tomorrow, they'll set a new North American pro record for consecutive home losses. Keep this up and they'll start having to pay people to come to their games. Of course, the Lions are heavy favorites. They shut out the Elks and BC Play Stadium with that great defense earlier this year. Yeah, they're they're really good up front. Obviously, I think Betts is, he might be leading the league in, in sacks right now. Um, and then their secondary. They got a veteran group over there with TJ and uh, Gary Peters that, you know, make it really tough uh, on, on us, you know, offensively. But, you know, they, they mix it up a lot on defense. They do what they do. Um, they bend, they don't break. You know, they try and, you know, force you into long drives and be consistent. And uh, that's the biggest thing we got to do. Langley's Georgia Ellenwood was climbing the ranks of pentathlon and heptathlon until she ruptured her Achilles 16 months ago. But she has recovered enough to compete at this weekend's Canadian Track and Field Championships, which is perfect because it's going on in her hometown at McLeod Athletic Park. And she's confident the best is still yet to come in her track and field career. Member of Team Canada at the Tokyo Olympic Games, welcome back to Langley, Georgia, Ellenwood. There's no place like home, and for Langley's Georgia Ellenwood, that is being back on the track, doing what she loves. Ellenwood won the gold in heptathlon at the Canadian Track and Field Championships four years ago, and followed that up by competing in the Olympics for the first time in Tokyo. But in March of 2022, she suffered a devastating injury, rupturing her Achilles during a high jump attempt. It's the type of an injury that has ended careers. But 16 months later, after a long and painful rehab, things almost feel normal again. I'm trying to look at myself as a new athlete after my injury because I did so much comparing to where I was at before and it's honestly not fair. Like I do have a new leg and I have anchors, I've got surgery and all this stuff. So I think I need to take it as just a new experience and to say this is my best after my injury. Like this is my new best and I'm ready to test myself now. So I'm just excited to take it head on again. Mm -hmm. Ellenwood feels she's at about 70% strength right now. It takes up to two years after surgery to get back to 100%. And while she looks forward to a complete recovery, she's definitely embraced going through one of the most difficult times of her life. I'm so glad that I did put in that work, no matter how frustrating and upsetting it was doing those small little things like toe grabs and learning to walk again and then learning to jog again. These are things I did when I was like three years old. And so trying to get some sort of satisfaction of doing those exercises was really tough. I'm trying to be a bit more patient with myself, a bit more gentle with myself, um, and also just enjoy my ability to come back and to be able to do this again. Hey everyone, it's Georgia Ellenwood. I'm a professional heptathlete for Team Under Armour. Ellenwood is also a bit of a YouTube sensation and social media star, something that's helped fund her track and field career. Unfortunately, track and field doesn't make the most money, and so I think there, we always have like little side gigs and little 
things that we like to do as hobbies, but also to help fund what we do. It doesn't take away from my attention on the track, but it's just a nice little fun thing to do to distract yourself sometimes. Ellenwood has high hopes that she will be able to return to the Olympic Games next summer in Paris. After what she's been through, it would be quite the comeback story. That fearlessness is coming back again, and I think next year is going to be a really good year. I just need to be patient. Again, this weekend, McLeod Athletic Park out in Langley, the best Canada has to offer in track and field. There you go. What a comeback story. Okay, thanks very much, Squire. Still to come, satellite debris. Up next. As always, ending the week on a high note with satellite debris. Squire, take it away. Okay, we have two here to start off with. Uh, one, I think it's promoting a podcast or something like that. And the other is from EasyJet. Here we go. <laughs> Whatever life throws at you, laugh through it with comedy on Audible. The big movie right now, I guess, is Barbie. So uh, this one promotes Barbie and also progressive insurance. Hey, Jamie. Oh, what am I up to? Just visiting a special secret client. I can't say who it is, but let's just say she bundled her dream house and her dream car for around-the-clock protection with progressive. She has another house in Malibu. She's been an astronaut, an architect, a CEO. We're in front of her house, Dave. Well, I'd love to tell you who her boyfriend is, but I don't think I can. I'd love to tell you, but I don't think I can. Barbie, only in theaters July 21st. <laughs> well done. All right. Seems uh, like we, do we all work with someone like that? I'm not sure. <laughs> not around here, but in other places. Last but not least, um, this is an old one, but it actually is also an EasyJet commercial you saw one earlier. This is uh, one that has to do with the game of tag. Five, six, seven, eight, uh, 99, Coming! Ready or not? Zucchero e pepe è una monella originale, picchiatella, ecco perché più monella non c'è. Tutta delizia, tutto candore, croce delizia ad ogni cuore sempre sarà per chi un di lamerà. Croce delizia ad ogni cuore sempre sarà per chi un di lamerà. Zucchero e pepe, zucchero e pepe, son tutto zucchero i tuoi baci quando vuoi. Zucchero e pepe, zucchero e pepe, ma tutto pepe sono i miei capricci tuoi. Come per gioco col tuo fare indifferente. The search for your perfect holiday is over. Introducing EasyJet Holidays. At all protected. 
Okay, there we go. Excellent. <laughs> Good laughs on a Friday afternoon. And guess what? BC Ferries will be laughing now. We got a bit of a breaking news situation for you. The Coastal Renaissance is expected to resume service later tonight after it was pulled from service due to some issues. It had an engine problem forcing the ship to hold in dock in Tawasson. One round trip between the Lower Mainland and Duke Point was canceled. Other sailings at 8.15 and 10.45 were on the bubble, but we're hearing now that possibly that 8.15 sailing is going to make it. BC Ferries now says repairs to the vessel are underway and it's expected to resume service at 8.15. And so that later sailing, hopefully, if everything continues to work, will be fine too. But as always, check with BC Ferries before you sail. Last word on the weather should be smooth sailing tonight. Yes, and as we get into boards both days out of the weekend, a bit more cloud cover for tomorrow morning, breaks for the afternoon, and even hotter as we get in towards early next week. All right, thanks very much, Yvonne. Thanks, everybody, for watching, and thanks to the crew who had a lot of balls in the air for this broadcast. We appreciate you. Have a good night.